You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to History Happy Hour, a special series from History Uncovered. It's the end of August 2023, and we've handpicked a few of our favorite history stories from this month. Today, we'll be talking about the discovery of a medieval handheld sundial in Germany, yet another vampire grave uncovered in Poland, the surprise discovery of a Roman ship by Siberian coal miners, why historians now believe that the Hirota people in Japan intentionally deformed their skulls centuries ago, how conservation work on an Irish castle revealed a secret room, as well as a number of historic anniversaries, including the shocking death of President Warren G. Harding the deadly eruption of Krakatoa, and much more. I'm all that's interesting staff writer Austin Harvey. And I'm all that's interesting staff writer Kalina Fraga. And welcome to History Happy Hour. Woo! Got my my sparkling water here. Yeah, so we got a lot. I mean, as we do every month, we got a couple of cool stories that we featured on the site this month. This one is about this sundial they found in Germany from the 16th century, which is cool. Yeah, I was reading your article on this like just before we started recording. It's kind of neat, the construction of everything. It's neat because it was a handheld sundial. So I just have this vision of someone like walking around with it in their pocket. Yeah, kind of like the original pocket watch. I guess so. I mean, it's sort of a funny idea because if you're walking around, I mean, you need sun to read a sundial. So if you're walking around outside, you probably have a general idea yeah of the time <laughs> yeah 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 and you're not looking at it under like candlelight being like Ooh. yeah right <laughs> so i guess it's yeah. just a more specific idea yeah. than what you can discern by being outdoors but yeah they found it at this this church in germany it's made of bronze and wood and it's like a, it was a rare find so they're really excited about it but yeah i thought the coolest thing about this was that it was just so small and just the yeah. idea of someone carrying it around in their pocket yeah. And I saw that um, you wrote that some historians think it might have been like a relic or like a belonging for somebody from this religious group called the Brethren of the Common Life. Yeah. Yeah. Who like lived at this church back in the day. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Seems like there's definitely a story there. Yeah, for sure. Especially since it was the only one that they've really mm-hmm. found in this location and just kind of in general that you don't really see a lot of like pocket sundials. So it wasn't, right. it clearly wasn't like a thing that everyone in the group had. It doesn't seem like it. No, unless the other, I mean, this was found in like a rubbish dump. So maybe the others were, I, I, that's kind of a cool idea. I have no yeah. idea that's any basis. In fact, but I like the idea of like a church group or a cult or whatever, like all having matching Matching sundials. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, I, I like mean, that. I guess, yeah, like cults and stuff, they do have like those little emblems. 
Like you're like, yeah. you flash your little badge. You're like, yeah, don't worry. I'm one of the Manson You can recognize each other too. because <laughs> on the street, you're taking out your sundial. And right. And like, oh, okay. You're one of the sundial guys. Yeah. yeah. I wish it was like, I, I wish it was like more of a um, like secretive kind of group. Not just like yeah. a couple guys living in a monastery. It'd be cool if it was like a group of like assassins or something. And this was there. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, but alas. Although if they were, if they were really good at their jobs, maybe we wouldn't know that they were assassins. That's true. They could have been assassins undercover. Yeah. That's speculation on my part. So don't. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> this is all I wouldn't speculation. Even say speculation. Yeah. That's just like wish fulfillment. <laughs> that would have made this article. I thought it was a cool article just from like the history perspective, but that would have made it pop in a totally different way. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this next article didn't really need any extra popping, although we have written about vampires in Poland quite a bit this year. Yeah, this is another one of those. It was just a few months ago that they found a female vampire buried near Pien, Poland. Mm -hmm. Vampire in big quotes. Yeah, vampire in big quotes. She didn't have like fangs or anything. They just were worried that she would come back from the dead. But Mm -hmm. she had a sickle around her neck. Yeah, and the photo's really weird. Yeah, those ones are, like, kind of gruesome looking. Uh Especially just, like, the way the body, like, decomposed. Because it's, like, a relic. I mean, it's not, like, an ancient, ancient skeleton. It's, like, 17th century. Uh Yeah, she she had a padlock around her toe as well, which was apparently, like, a ritualistic, like, way of binding the dead here to Earth. Or, like, Hmm. preventing them from re-entering their bodies after they died but yeah in that same graveyard which must be like a vampire graveyard in some capacity they found a child buried face down with a padlock around its ankle Hmm. uh, very much for the same reasons that it would i think the idea of burying it face down was that if it came back and it tried to like lurch forward and bite something yeah it would end up biting the dirt oh yeah yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because the sickle was there that if this woman were to return from the dead and rise up, she'd be decapitated. This was like, ha ha ha, turn it upside down and yeah. it'll bite the dirt instead, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's not quite the same level of logic. Like the decapitation the seems thing. seems better. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. This is a little bit odd. More effective. Yeah. I do think this is the third... I, this is the same graveyard we've covered now twice, but I think this is the third vampire graveyard article from Poland that I yeah. remember as covering this year. Definitely, yeah. There's another one that was like a different graveyard somewhere else that had a bunch of uh, vampires, again, in big quotes. Yeah, it was like multiple vampires mm-hmm. at that one. Yeah. Yeah, really big in Poland vampires were. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, well, they date like uh, they dated the earliest mentions that people could find of the dead returning to life in Eastern Europe back to the 11th century. Hmm. But it seems to have reached like a fever pitch around the 17th and 18th centuries, which was about the same time everywhere else in the world was losing their shit about different oh. things. Yeah. Witch trials, werewolf trials. Hmm. I'm sure if you look in Eastern societies, there was probably some craze going on, but at least in the Western world. That about hmm. aligns with like the uh, the time of like the witch trials in Salem. That's interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. I think I during one of these vampire articles, it came up that I can't remember if it was in Poland specifically or more just like Europe, but the the vampire fear had something to do with tuberculosis and this they didn't know how it spread and people who had it seemed right. almost dead even though when they were alive. So there was some connection yeah. with like were they spreading it from the grave or something? Yeah, and I think a lot of the idea was literally like they would find people who they thought were dead 
because mm-hmm. of tuberculosis. And then the next day they'd be up and walking around again. Everyone would be like, ah, <laughs> we thought you were dead. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which sucks if you're that person who has tuberculosis and you're like, oh, my God, I'm feeling a little bit better today. And everyone's like, oh, my God, you're yeah. <laughs> And you're like, no, no, no. And then you're dead and then they come to your grave and like smash your skull or put a sickle over your throat or something. So it just never ends. No resting, no peace. No resting. There's no no peace. peace. Yeah. Have you ever wondered exactly how inbred the royal house of Hasburg was? what women in the past used for pregnancy tests, or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to. If so, then History Tea Time is the podcast for you. Each week, host Lindsay Holiday presents thorough historic research on a variety of fascinating topics in an easy-to-follow narrative, including the sorts of juicy stories and scandals you won't hear about in history class. With over 70 episodes, there's something for everyone— Take deep dives into the lives of queens and royals you've seen in popular dramas like Bridgerton, Victoria, and The Great. Understand modern royal practices like coronations, titles, and succession rules, and their historic context. Find out what women, LGBTQ people, and people of color were up to in history. Explore the evolution of names, menstruation, childbirth, drag, and other topics from prehistory to today. Join Lindsay every Tuesday for a steaming hot cup of tea by listening to History Tea Time wherever podcasts are enjoyed. It wasn't the only thing dug out of the ground <laughs> this month. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one was really cool. Yeah, a group of, um, I, I'm going to butcher the name of this mine. It's near Kostolak in Serbia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dermno, it's D-R-M-N-O. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to assume it's not Dr. Minot, so <laughs> Probably um, not. But yeah, the Dermno surface mine. Um, these coal miners were like digging in, as as they do, were digging in the ground. For coal, I see. For coal, yeah. Mm. Um, and they came across about 25 feet into the silt. They found like a bunch of pieces of wood mm. and basically realized like, oh, this must be a boat of some kind. So they contacted so wild. Yeah. The local archaeological association. They came out and they're like, oh yeah, this is definitely a boat. They haven't officially dated it or anything yet, but they think third or fourth century common era. Wow. Longer than 60 feet in length, roughly 11 feet wide. Uh, apparently this big open patch of now dry, dusty land was once littered with small rivers. And so they think that this boat would have been carrying supplies to the nearby Roman city of Viminacium. Viminacium? Yeah. Yeah. Is that how Latin is pronounced? Viminacium. Viminacium? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anyone knows how to pronounce Latin because it's like a dead language. So Right. Fair enough. That's the thing. It's a good guess. Yeah. We've, yeah. I'm going to go Viminacium. Viminacium. Right. Yeah. Which was like a big trading hub at the time with tens of thousands of people and everything. Yeah, massive city for the Roman Empire. One detail that was really interesting from this article was that when they found the ship, it was like still wet. Yeah, and that's at, yeah. That's the thing that, that sticks really out to me. Cool. That's so crazy. Yeah, <laughs> the wood was still wet, and so was the like sand around it. Yeah, 
but it made it really tricky to like excavate it because they had to keep it wet, wet. or yeah, it was getting dry. It, it was going to start um, like right. degrading really fast. Decaying. And it also wouldn't have even been as well preserved if it had been dry because uh-huh. the wood right. would have started to decompose. And which yeah. you think would be the opposite. Would be the opposite but, thing. You think the wet wood would decompose quicker? But, but we just we just did an article this week about like throwing sticks from. I can't remember, like a really long time ago, they found and they were only, they were wooden and they were only preserved because they were in like water all this yeah, time. That's so interesting. I mean, I guess it yeah. makes sense though, because you think how many shipwrecks mm-hmm. yeah, stay, that's true. stay preserved. So I think it's, it has something to do with like the way the bacteria. Yeah. Form it stops on it from, yeah, yeah, degrading the wood, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting. I love the photos of them trying to pull it out where one guy just has a hose and he's just like mm. <laughs> spraying the wood the whole time. I wonder how long it took them to determine that it was a ship. Because you would think if they're digging underground, you find wood, you would think like building more. So yeah. have like a ship underground. But yeah. I guess as they dug it up. I wonder if they didn't know until archaeologists came around, then they had the kind of, I mean, it's not even a full ship. I'm like, I don't want to paint the wrong image here. It's not like you could throw it on water and sail on it. It's like the right the ruins of a the ship. bottom of it. Yeah. Yeah. Have the same. It's flat. Had the same general boat-like shape, though. Yeah, really cool. I mean, I love stuff like this from so long ago in a place where it seems like it's not supposed to be, but it speaks to what, what the place used to be. Um, right. It's very evocative. Yeah, you kind of forget, because, like, obviously we think Rome, Italy mm-hmm. now, but how vast the Roman Empire yeah, was. Massive. Stretching into, I mean, Serbia, England, like, all over the European yeah. continent, effectively. And, yeah. Also interesting that this like used to be a bunch of rivers and now it's just mm-hmm. dry, like desert. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I think you, you see that a lot with like Roman artifacts that they find here and there all across uh, Europe, like you said. Yeah, I guess this next one has nothing to do. Well, I was gonna say nothing to do with things buried, but I guess you could make the argument that it does. They were once buried. They were once buried. Yeah. This is about these skulls they found in Japan in the 50s that were shaped a particular way. And they didn't know why until now. And now they think that they were intentionally deformed skulls. Yeah. By the Hirota people. And they're not really sure why they did this. I mean, this behavior has been documented elsewhere, but they're not sure why these people, what significance they had. Yeah, especially because it was like one specific group of people in Japan. Mm-hmm. But they found other skulls that weren't Hirota group or that weren't Hirota people that were not deformed. Hmm. So it was like, because I know like in African culture, it's a good the thing with like the rings around the neck to extend the neck. And right. obviously you have uh, countless years of like in China binding people's feet to keep them small, things like that. Mm-hmm. Sort of on different spectrums there but right yeah i'm trying to remember there was another article we did about some monarch at one point whose, whose head was also strangely maybe it was Egypt, i don't know i don't remember the details anyway but it, it has popped up like throughout history these right purposeful deformations yeah yeah but yeah they have no real clue why other than the one theory was that they wanted to preserve their group identity mm-hmm. um and then someone says something about how it could help with the long distance trade of shellfish which i don't see the connection there personally i don't either yeah but there was no expansion on that so huh maybe if it was like they were trading shellfish if it was helpful to easily identify that they were hirota people maybe 
And it yeah. was like if they had, I don't know if maybe they had a reputation as particularly good sellers of shellfish. Possibly. Yeah. That's but, a good theory. Yeah. I mean, I have my own theory. Oh. I think they were aliens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Could be. Could Someone be. had to say it. Someone had to say it. <laughs> we have been very alien focused um, this month with the, the UFO podcast coming out every week. Yeah. Yeah. I think this week was the last episode, right? Yeah, it was. Or, yeah. Yeah. The one on the men in black and some yeah. of the other modern uh, UFO. Disappointing that there wasn't any historical UFO stories this week because that would or this month that would have been like so perfectly fitting hmm yeah i guess there haven't been have there no or, like well. if they uncovered a ancient ufo that'd be lit <laughs> yeah that'd be lit yeah <laughs> be that'd be pretty big oh, news yeah <laughs> be straight fire <laughs> i'm trying to hold on to my youth if that's not clear yeah you gotta try it's gonna yeah. slip through your fingers before i turned you know it, 27 so. a month ago and now it's officially hitting me that i'm in my late 20s ah uh, yes so well gang gang script <laughs> you got three years oh boy enjoy it that'll be gone forever Yeah. Speaking of old things. Um, so that's all we've been doing. <laughs> this next story is about a castle in Ireland called Johnstown Castle, um, where they found a secret room, which is always cool. Yeah. This castle's really old. It was, um, oh, it's over 800 years old. And they're doing all this renovation or like conservation work on the castle right now. And they've already found one other secret room beneath a tower near a lake on the grounds. And now they found a second secret room. Um, which I think was was a former like turret bedroom. They don't know why. Although one of the I think it was a, it was a woman involved with this effort thinks it's related to a tragedy. Yeah. Which I was like, oh, what's the tragedy? Yeah, it seemed like there was quite a, a history of tragedy at this castle. Yeah, I mean the, the the most famous tragedy I found in like my research was this this one family member was hanged by the British for rebelling in the Irish Revolution of 1798. Classic. Yeah. But his family managed to hang on to the castle, and they owned it for a long time. So, hmm. But maybe he's, I don't know, haunted it or something. Yeah, that seems like a weird reason to hide this bedroom. I would have assumed, given that it would have been a smaller bedroom, it was like death a of child. a child. Yeah, Yeah, right. Or something to do with like illness, if they wanted to quarantine off. I could see that, too, yeah. Yeah, but they don't really know. I mean, they're just kind of finding these rooms, and they're like, huh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, it was just like a structural safety thing at one point. Like later renovation. Oh, like, but that's no fun. That's I know. no fun. <laughs> it could be though, you know? <laughs> could be it. It could be, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was always a cool story to think of like these, you know, huge castles with lots of secrets yeah. to be uncovered. Yeah. I mean, yeah, old castles are full of history. Mm -hmm. Castles are so cool. You know, when I lived in France, it was a surprising to me that we we would like drive around the the countryside in Normandy and there would be what I as an American would describe as like a castle. Like a huge manor type, and they're just yeah. abandoned. And there's so many; they're all over France. And the government's like, we can't afford to take care of like all these places. So this one, we went in. It, it's empty, basically empty. Dang. I I think this one maybe the local like city or village or something was doing something with it, but a lot of them are just abandoned because there's just no money and no interest in. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. Yeah. Like convert them into apartments or something. That'd be so cool. That would be cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's what um I mean that's what they did with like a lot of old 
American castle homes, like very large homes. Mm-hmm. They end becoming apartments. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you see places that are like split up all the time in cities, yeah. I guess. There was like a legitimate castle very near my childhood home. Like we would drive past it on our way to the local pool. Mm-hmm. Like just like a bit like I think it was abandoned. I don't know. But it, you could just see it in the distance, like on the edge of a hill and surrounded by trees. Oh, do you know ever learn like the story behind it? If it was like a really rich. No idea. Hmm. There is a building near me that it looks like a castle. It's actually a former armory. And now it's a men's shelter. But it's yeah. cool. It has a big like tower and it's like old, like uh, it's kind of like dark red brick and everything. Yeah. It's like going by it. Yeah. I've always wanted yeah. to go to Ireland and see the mm. castles there. Yeah. I would like to do that too. I mean, I guess I actually have been to Ireland, but yeah, to go and like see, see more of that stuff. Well, that concludes our first half of the episode all about the news stories we covered on the site yeah once again uh, an eventful month yeah we had a lot of weird news stories this month too i wrote one just the other day about a guy who shoved his face into a giant fountain in sweden yeah did he was he funny he wasn't killed was he or just badly no he like stuck his face in and then like it the water pushed him away it's a it's coming out at 110 gallons per second oh my god which like equates to like 124 miles per hour or something like that so it's is it the kind of phone where it's like nothing's happening then the water comes out or is it like constant it's constant it's constant and he just put his face in it and he just like stuck his face in it and then it didn't like it pushed him back yeah. But he did it the second time. Oh. And then it like launched him up into the air and he landed. Is he conscious? Has he been like, this is why I did this? I, th- th- ugh, the story was so slim. They didn't get a quote from him or anything. Oh. But he got lame. launched in the air, came down, landed on his back and then jumped into the river. And then police had to come and like take him to the hospital. <laughs> oh, my God. This sounds like you might have something going on. Yeah. There was Troubles at home or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Speaking of people with some troubles, our first anniversary, historical anniversary today, is the death of Warren G. Harding, who was an American president no one remembers. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, like, he's a really, like, a crazy guy. I mean, the thing is, when he was president, he ran on because he was, like, so bland. And after, like, World War One, people were like, finally, someone, like, bland and, like, boring. And that's fantastic. <laughs> I kind of get that, though. Yeah. Like well, sure. I kind it of, kind of makes sense. Like, I kind of feel felt the same way after 2016 to 2020. Mm-hmm. I was like, you oh, want someone just kind of boring. Yeah. Like, the best thing that happened was not seeing the president's tweets every day. I I think I'm thinking like Biden and Harding are like diff- different because Harding Harding didn't see himself as like a very capable person. You know, he said things he called himself a man of limited means. Jeez. And when it came to the presidency, he was like, I should never have like been elected. He he, had, he said <laughs> things like this all the time. Low self-esteem. He got involved in all this controversy. But anyway, behind the scenes, he was quite a ladies man, had multiple uh, affairs. In 2014, they his family agreed to let these letters he'd written his mistress be published. And they're like steamy. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're really fun to read. But anyway, so he died in 1923. Like, it was a shock. He was only 57. Although, you look at pictures oh, wow. of him, he looks like he's 70 years old. He's white yeah, he hair. Does. He's very old looking man. Yeah. He'd been kind of, he'd been ill for a while and he thought it was food poisoning and like exhaustion, but he just like dropped dead. Jeez. And then Calvin Coolidge became president. 
Oh, so. yeah, he, his, he was only in office for a little over half a term. Coolidge? No, Harding. Oh, Harding, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing about his death, though, is that after he died, because he'd had all these affairs, like, there was some speculation that his wife killed him. And she was sure. like, had enough. Sure. Because his death was so sudden and, like, Yeah. You and know. if he was in poor health, I mean. Uh, yeah. You never know. I don't know. It's interesting. Warren G. Harding. Yeah, good old, uh, pardon the pun, but Warren G. Hardon. Ah, Because yeah. of all of his steamy letters. A lot of steamy letters. He also had a child out of wedlock. Oof. This woman wrote, like, a tell-all book about him and described how they had, like, sex in closets at the White House and oh things like that. God. So, yeah, there's we have a we've kind of a fun article on the site about presidential sex scandals, and he's one of the main characters because yeah. he had a lot of... Was it him, him, Clinton, JFK? Oh, boy. It was, like, him, Clinton, JFK, um, Thomas Jefferson. It's not surprising. We put in Eisenhower because he, like, may have had an affair with his driver. We put in Trump... For sure, that yeah. might have been it, but there must have been like one or two more. Wow. Yeah. Huh. These guys, these guys got around. What can I say? They certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyway, Dwight, so he, Dwight Eisenhower is hanging out with aliens, too. So. Oh, sure. As yeah, discussed. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, I looked up the SEO of like presidents and aliens and there really wasn't much. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I like, like that idea as an article, the, though. The cool. world's not ready for it. <laughs> The world's not ready, but I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. When when was that? When was that he died? 20, 1923? 1923. 1923. So 100 yes. years ago. Wow. Yeah. R.I.P. Our next one is also an exciting thing. 40 years later, the Great Train Robbery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This was a big deal at the time. It's called the Heist of the Century. And it was basically these guys. It's like fifteen guys, some accomplices. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. They held up a train and they got away with the equivalent of fifty-eight million dollars in <laughs> near London. In the, in today's in today's currency, okay. currency. yes, yeah. It was like seven point three million, seven point three million at the time. Wow, dollars and pounds. And three of them made it away. Only twelve well, of them ended up in prison. They it's a kind of a funny story because they got this money, they escaped, they had it all planned out. They were gonna go to a farmhouse and divide the loot, which they did, and then they hired these guys to burn the farmhouse down. But they didn't do a very good job of burning the farmhouse down. So when the police came, they found their fingerprints on a mm. game of Monopoly and on a ketchup bottle, and they were able to catch That's pretty rough. much everybody. Why yeah. bother hiring someone to burn it down? I guess you're removing yourself from Yeah. The equation. Sure, I guess. That they're flaw the flaw in their plan. Yeah, I mean it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because mm -hmm. you can track whatever. Maybe it's <laughs> like they'd be like, You bought gasoline at this date and thus you burned down this farmhouse. Mm, but if they had never bought gasoline, then Right, that's fair. And I guess if you're paying somebody cash. Right. You have all this money now, you can pay that's people true. to burn things down. But Or just get a guy who really likes burning stuff. Or like divide the cash not at a farmhouse and don't play monopoly right. and do it like in yeah. the woods <laughs> <laughs> right it's like well while we're here do you guys want to play the worst board game ever invented yeah that's a take <laughs> but yeah <laughs> i don't like monopoly i don't like monopoly i'm like neutral on monopoly it's fine it's a classic it wasn't even made to be fun was was it not made to be it was fun? invented just to point out like the 
like monotony of capitalism. Is that true? The history of monopoly can be traced back to 1903 when the American anti-monopolist hmm. Lizzie Maggie created a game that she hoped would explain the single tax theory of Henry George. It was intended as an educational tool to illustrate the negative aspects of concentrating land in private monopolies. Wow. The more you know. Yeah. So that's according to Wikipedia. Uh -huh. <laughs> Very good. I see right here the Guardian is reporting the same thing. So. Yeah. All right. So we've done presidents and train robberies. And now let's talk about volcanoes. Yeah. It's our next anniversary. Krakatoa. Yeah. The only thing I know about Krakatoa is it was referenced in an episode of SpongeBob. Oh, it was? What was yeah. the reference? Um, <laughs> it's uh, SpongeBob, Patrick, and, you know, the usual suspects mm -hmm. all become superheroes to help Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. And they all put on these different outfits and Squidward's wearing this one that has a volcano on the head. And he just goes, Krakatoa, and then shoots lava. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> short, short and to the point. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact there. Well, in its day, Krakatoa was a pretty big deal. Literally. Yeah. Literally. It, it, it was so loud. It could be heard 3,000 miles away. And the eruption killed more than 36,000 people. Oh, my God. Not from the eruption itself, but from the tsunamis that, like, followed the eruption. Because mm. it's in Indonesia. So it's like islands, you know? Right, right. So the tsunamis hit. And then the kind of the cool thing about this, I thought, was the, the volcanic eruption was not, like, contained to the area which it happened. It was the impact was felt all around the world. The global temperature like dropped for a couple of years. Oh, wow. And people saw these crazy sunsets, like as far as England. Yeah. I mean, we kind of not to the same degree, but experienced something similar recently with the Canadian wildfires. Oh, yeah. Where, I mean, there was that day New York was like yellow. Right. So well, I mean, I, I was in the West Coast until a couple of days ago and I, the day I left, the smoke like moved in. Oh, but yeah. it kind of comes in like every summer now. Yeah, geez. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you can see uh, that's what I mean, though, just how far and wide those like incidents can affect mm -hmm. the way like the sky looks for weeks, yeah, for months. Right. So it makes sense that something this massive would, yeah, have like a substantial impact. lasting impact on the world. Yeah, I know. So volcanoes are scary things you know with in seattle where i'm from there's mount rainier and everyone's always like oh mount rainier never blows up but like if it did yeah that, that'd be the end of a lot of people in seattle yeah don't they don't they think that like yellowstone's volcanoes are gonna go off at some point too hmm. i don't know i bet i think so i didn't even i didn't realize there was a volcano near seattle oh yeah mount rainier huh that's i guess that's something i only ever think about being like in islands, but I mean, it's not like an active volcano, sure, but it could. Yeah, yeah. Like Mount St. Helens is near, is it Washington, right? So I didn't know Mount St. Helens was a volcano. What? You didn't know about the eruption in the 80s? Nope. Oh my God. It's so crazy because it, I guess maybe I knew about this just being from the West Coast, but you, you, you get like jewelry that's from the ashes of the volcano. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I had no idea. Oh yeah. It was a big deal. And a lot of people died and, uh, yeah, not, I don't know about a lot of people, but people did die. I guess because a lot of them are just called Mount whatever. I'm just like, yeah, it's a mountain. Mm. <laughs> I don't think like, and then like, you know, you hear like Kilauea, like the Hawaiian volcano. Uh -huh. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that entirely accurate, but that's the shot I gave. 
that sounds to me like a volcano. But I think it well, might just like, be my narrow-minded um, association of volcanoes with, like, tropical islands. There's, like, you know, if you do a crossword, you get Mount Etna a lot, which is that, I think it's in Italy. I'm pretty sure that has erupted or, like, smoked. Yeah. Oh, well, Mount Fuji in, in Japan, too, is a volcano. See, they're everywhere. Dang. Constant danger. Volcanoes near Pittsburgh. What do you mean? It's my backyard. Oh, my God. There's no mountains near Pittsburgh. No. No, just a lot of hills. Yeah. Three rivers, yeah. three very dirty rivers. But you know what's not dirty? This cocktail, the Krakatoa cocktail. It's very um, self-explanatory why. It's like a rum cocktail, isn't it? It is a rum cocktail, a dark rum cocktail. Two different kinds of rum, according to mm. this website. Dos Madeiras, five, five plus three rum and five plus five rum. One ounce of each, 0.75 ounces of Rothman and Winter apricot liqueur. Oh, weird. Half an ounce of falernum. Quarter ounce of coffee liqueur. Three quarters ounce of fresh lime juice. Five ounces of fresh orange juice. Five ounces of fresh grapefruit juice. <laughs> this sounds so horrible. <laughs> a dash of Angostura bitters and an ounce hmm. of cold brewed coffee. Oh. Coffee and orange is a weirdly popular combination. But I'm trying to imagine the color of this cocktail. I'm just saying brown... It, uh, yeah, it's pretty brown. Huh. It kind of hmm. looks like iced tea because they put so much ice in the glass. Oh, it looks like, and then you put a little lime on top with some salt and you light it on fire. Oh, well, that's cool, I guess, but. Oh, an inver- hmm. sorry, an inverted lime shell. So you hollow out a lime, fill it with overproof rum and set it on fire. You can grate some nutmeg on top if you want to get a smoky spice aroma. So then do you wait for the fire to go out? Or is that the kind of thing you, like, shoot back? I think you might blow it out and then take the shot. Oh. Because I've seen shots. I've never done this or seen it in, in real life. But I've seen, like, on the internet, people with, like, a shot has like on fire. And they just... Yes. Yeah. I did that in Chicago. Oh, yeah. yeah. You mentioned that in Slack. I thought it was, like, a communal, like, big... So it was, like, a four-person shareable, like, like fishbowl-sized cocktail that was frozen... But in the center of it was like a little bit of rum that they would light on fire. Oh, wow. And then you had a straw. So you had to down the shot of burning rum with a straw, which was not it wasn't good rum either. Was it hot being on fire? Yeah. Huh. But then it kind of makes it really nice when you get to the icy part of the drink. Because you're like, wow, this is so much better. Oh, interesting. I see. So the rum's like on top of the frozen drink. And yeah. then you. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like stacked up in the middle, like kind of like a garnishy almost thing. Or, like, imagine, like, um, you know, like, those, like, chip and dip bowls where they have, like, mm-hmm. it, like, rises up in the middle and there's, like, a... Sp- it's like that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Let's see. Moving on to our next anniversary, which is another robbery. This is our second robbery. <laughs> yeah. August. Good month for robberies. August is a great month for robberies. This robbery is significant because it's where the term Stockholm Syndrome comes from. Yeah. Yeah, this one's... Uh, it's a really interesting story. It is an interesting story. This guy, um, Jan-Erik Olsen, took hostages at a bank in Stockholm. He made all these demands. And the police were basically, like, you know, gathered outside the bank trying to negotiate with him. And meanwhile, he and the hostages started, like, becoming pals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a five-day hostage situation. So... I guess they, they had, had time, of time to, to talk. Yeah. There was one point that I thought this was really funny. The Olsen 
said he was going to shoot one of the hostages in the leg to kind of like shake up the police. And the hostage hostage later said, how kind I thought he was for saying it was just my leg he would shoot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and another hostage was like, it's just your leg. It's all right. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, they all described him as like very kind and they said they didn't feel threatened by him or his friend who later joined him. Yeah, this other convict guy. Yeah, they were more worried that the police would instigate some violence and like ramp things up. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And then after the police, I mean, the police did eventually throw tear gas into the bank and arrested him and everything. But then the hostages visited him and the other guy in in jail. Yeah, which is crazy because he doesn't sound like that nice of a guy because he later said in an interview it was the hostages fault. They did everything I told them to. If they hadn't, I might not be here now. Why didn't any of them attack me? They made it hard to kill. They made us go on living together day after day like goats in that <laughs> filth. There was nothing to do but get to know each other. So he's not oh exactly thrilled about this. That's so funny. They're like, we loved him. He was cool. And he's like, I hated them. They ruined everything. He's like, I could have gone away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids. <laughs> those meddling wow. hostages. That's really funny. Yeah, it is interesting, though, that the Stockholm syndrome, I didn't realize it was one that recent of like a term. Mm-hmm. This was, was it 60? 73. 73, yeah. 1973. So 50 years ago, mm-hmm. which I guess isn't that recent in terms of psychology. Well, it's recent. Yeah, I, I just assumed it would have had to do something with like war. I, I never looked into the origins mm. of Stockholm syndrome before. Um, so, okay, yeah, it kind of surprised me that that term just came about as like a bank robbery thing yeah it's interesting yeah i've yeah like i've fully expected it to be a war related that makes sense like an old like european yeah, war yeah. in sweden or, or like during one of the yeah. world wars if someone like was taken oh, sure. captive but then they actually were like actually the russians aren't that bad or you like something like that mm-hmm. but nope 1970s in stockholm sweden the bank robber crazy yeah i guess everything we've talked about so far is sort of like death destruction robbery but our last one is is more a little more uplifting yeah nice. a little more hopeful <laughs> uh yeah 60th anniversary of martin luther king's i have a dream speech yeah that's nice which he gave at the march one of the most famous speeches in history yeah for sure um definitely in the united states i would say yeah he gave it during the march on washington a uh, quarter million people showed up to support this demand for civil rights and everything the really interesting thing is that he didn't plan to say the line you know, I didn't know that. Like he, yeah, he he had used this line before at other fundraisers and his advisor and rallies and stuff. And his advisors told him like this speech needs to like stand by itself and like be its own thing. And King was like, yeah, that makes sense. I won't, I won't do it. I have a quote. One of his advisors said, "Don't use the line. I have a dream. It's trite. It's cliche. You've used it too many times before." So King didn't put it in his speech. Wow. And he got a. Yeah, he got up to the podium and he was talking and um, there was this gospel singer named, I think her name is Mahila Jackson. And, you know, King was like a yeah. preacher at heart. And and she kind of called out to him and she said, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them oh, about the dream. You know, I have heard her say that in recordings of the speech. Yeah. Yeah. It is, if you see video footage yeah. of the speech, you can see him putting his notes aside. And then he starts to kind of like speak, like more like giving a sermon. And that's when he says... Then he goes into the right. I have a dream type stuff. Yeah. 
his voice does take on that very like preacher like quality at that point too yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind yeah. of amazing very amazing yeah like the improvisational aspect of it and just like the raw passion that you can feel and see in his face and everything yeah for sure it's um really an amazing moment yeah i mean yeah it's as famous yeah. as it is for a reason mm-hmm. yeah i mean i it really is it's like i mean i like got goosebumps just now talking about it <laughs> like it really is like if yeah for some reason if anyone listening has never actually seen the video of him delivering this speech i'd highly recommend watching it yes it's a yeah a great thing to to revisit yeah but that's kind of like a nice note to end on i think often we cover things that are a bit like dark and yeah. whatever on the site so history is you know, it's kind of an interesting history is not often history. uh <laughs> cheerful <laughs> yeah well, and I guess the dark part about the I have a dream thing is that, you know, at the time it was like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that was a really great speech. And then it was kind of he was assassinated in 68. Right. And then that sort of people refocused then on his legacy and on the speech in particular right. at, after that. So, way to, so way to bring over. it way to bring yeah. it back down. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it is my job. So, yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, let's end that on a nice note. Yeah. I mean, he was assassinated. <laughs> on second but... <laughs> thought, let's go into the dark part of the story. <laughs> um yeah i mean the robberies aren't that dark i mean the stockholm ones like except for how the robber actually felt about the hostages yeah if not for that would be very sweet a nice story <laughs> yeah they all liked yeah, him if a he lot had in turn liked the hostages yeah it would have been a very sweet story but he seemed like kind of a jerk i mean he didn't kill any of them so i guess there's it's true that, it was very least, nice but... of him not to kill anybody but yeah that's august Hey, thanks for listening to this history happy hour. As always, you can find any of the news stories we talked about on the site, um, all this interesting.com. A good number of the historical anniversaries we talked about, we've also covered in some capacity on the site as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we're constantly publishing new stuff. As we mentioned earlier, we had some very strange news stories this month that don't quite fit the tone of this podcast. Yeah. I mean, we, we publish more than just history news. It's all sorts yeah. of news. So it's a lot of crazy Weird stories, news, and, science you know, some news. true crime and lots of science stuff. Yeah. It's always something yeah. new. Always something interesting. Definitely always something interesting. Always something <laughs> worth checking out. Yes. And yeah, you can uh, become a member as well at all that's interesting.com slash membership mm-hmm. and all that's interesting.com slash sign up if you want to join our newsletter and that'll mm-hmm. give you the best history news stories of the week that we covered all in one convenient email yes um as always we love to hear from anyone a couple people have reached out in recent weeks which has been really cool to hear stories people suggest yeah. and and other things and if you want to say hello you can email us at podcast at all interesting.com or leave a voicemail at 929-526-3029. And we would love, 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 love to hear from you. So yeah, do that. And as always, yeah, yeah. you know, re- give us the old rating and review if you like the show. It really helps out with yes. the metrics and whatnot. And we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up as well. You just did an interview with our, our oh, friend yes. Gavin from The Art of Crime. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he's a, he's done a, a season about assassins well his show is about true crime and art the intersection of the two and his latest season is about assassins who are also artists so we talked about john wilkes booth which is a really fun conversation because i want to say like i love john wilkes booth because i don't love john wilkes booth but i (laughs) you know i find his story 
within American history would be fascinating. So it was a really cool chat. Um, yeah, that's coming out soon. Yeah. You're also going to talk yeah, to him I'm, about I'm, Jack. The no, Rupert. about uh, Michael Rockefeller. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll be I'll be cool. on his podcast talking about mm-hmm. Michael Rockefeller's disappearance, which we already have done um, an episode on. So, yeah, go yes. back and listen to that. Um, it's going to be a while until that one comes out, but he plans very far in advance. So that won't be until about December 13th, I think. Lots of cool stuff coming. Cool stuff on the site. And, uh, yeah, we'll see everyone next yeah. time. Get those Krakatoa cocktails cr- <laughs> yes, cracking. Brewing. All right. Until next time. Toodles. Toodles.